You're listening to The Wing Woman, brought to you by journalists and best mates, Frankie Graddon, that's her, and Charlie Gans Eglinton, that's me. Frankie, how are you? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. Very sad you're not in my living room today, but... We're remote. I'm very much enjoying your chocolate brown, very plush dressing gown. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Talk me through this. My chosen outfit for this morning. Well, I have actually been up already for an hour. I was going to have a shower and get myself ready, but I sat and had a bowl of porridge instead. Lovely. You do actually look like one of the bears. I do, don't I? It's even got a hood. No ears, sadly. This was my Christmas present. It's from Bieber at House of Fraser. Love that. Mum and Dad got it for me because I wanted a dressing gown. Hard to find dressing gowns nowadays. Very hard to find. This one's really plush. It's like, and if you are an animal lover, don't write in, it's like I'm wearing puppies. You are. It's that soft and it's that chocolate Labrador colour. So I do feel quite Cruella de Vil. But you're not wearing puppies. No, no, no. This is 100% synthetic. Fabulous. Don't worry. No puppies were harmed in the making of my dressing gown. You look very bronzed. Thanks. I think it's just the morning light. It is very early in the morning. So I have made myself a coffee. But I'm wearing an SPF and my Mariah Carey All I Want for Christmas is You sweatshirt. I will not be wearing this to the office. (laughs) I'm thrilled to see that. It is cosy, okay? And also, tis the season. Tis the season. (laughs) I was merely saying to Ben the other day, do we think we can legitimately refer to it now as the festive season? Mm. They're selling mulled wine in Borough Market. Are they? Because that's next to my office and I walked through to go and get my coffee beans from Monmouth, which is a joy, and hot mulled wine. Yum. The whole market smelt of it, which is better than raw fish. And I really wanted some, but it was my lunch break, so I didn't have any. But that means it's Christmas. I saw my first Christmas ad on TV. Did you? What was it? Studio.co.uk. Never heard of it. What is it? I think it's some sort of tech website. Right, so we're not bothered about it, but... No, no, no. So if you wanted to buy someone a flat screen telly for Crimbo, you might go on there. But they have won the Christmas advert race. Is it a race or...? I think so. Got to get out there fast. But don't you think, considering it's the 14th of October, you'll be listening to this on the 15th of October. Or whenever you like. Hi, hello future. (laughs) I hope it's nice there. (laughs) I thought there would be more Christmas already. Because I feel like normally at this point of the year, I'm rolling my eyes and say, God, why are we already talking about Christmas? By the time we get to December, we will have exhausted it and we'll be so bored to the back teeth of it that we won't want it anymore. However, this year, mid-October, and I've only just seen a Christmas advert. Maybe it's that brands aren't sure which of their Christmas contingency plans to go with. Mm. Because obviously we had another Boris announcement this week, which said very little, apart from for the residents of Liverpool. For the rest of us, we don't know what's going on. So nobody's got the foggiest about Christmas yet. So maybe they don't want to launch their Christmas campaigns if then people are going to find out in a week's time that we're going to have to have six-person Christmases or whatever. Mm. Although Boris is saying he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to do a lot, does he, Boris? That seems to be his MO. But you know what? I feel like if there's one year to really champion the joviality of Christmas, it's probably this year. Even if Christmas adverts were just someone having a mulled wine in front of a log fire, 
with some twinkly lights, which you can guarantee is an activity that will always take place of a Christmas time. I've been to it. Well, also, I bet John Lewis normally records its Christmas advert in, like, January. Oh, they do. They're years in advance. So I bet they've got some completely irrelevant, tone-deaf-feeling ad right now and are wondering what to do about it. That Man on the Moon would be quite relevant this year. They could rework that one. They could. <laughs> Granddad, he's on the moon! <laughs> but how could we say hello to him via telescope? Via telescope. <laughs> Poor granddad. How's Devon? It's glorious, yes. That's where I am. I'm in Devon. That's why we're remote this week. It's beautiful. The sun's just come up over the valley. And it's so nice. So I had my first hotel stay of the pandemic on Sunday. Where did you stay? I stayed at the Hotel Tresanton in St. Moore's, which I would highly recommend. They didn't pay me to say that. (laughs) St. Moore's is gorgeous. It's the kind of village that Americans think the British coast is across the board. Right. It's incredibly picturesque. It's tiny. It's just a little road, essentially, with some old cottages and a seawall. And then the most incredible view of the sea. And you can see Falmouth from across the way. What did make me laugh is I looked in an estate agent window just to see if I could afford a little cottage little fishing cottage, you know, a humble cottage for my second home, maybe. £1.8 million. Pounds. Yeah, expensive down this way. Wowza, okay. But the hotel was a treat. Ben had his first afternoon tea. Ever in his life? Ever in his life. Sorry, that wasn't even a sentence because I was so shocked. I couldn't <laughs> even get the words out. What? Yeah, and he overdid it. <laughs> Having had many an afternoon tea in my life, do you remember when we used to go at university? I know how to pace myself. Finger sandwiches, you have a scone, you maybe have one patisserie. Right, yeah. Then you get them to box it up because you will feel sick. There's too much there for one sitting. Ben didn't realise, he got overexcited, ate the whole thing and then spent that night with a sugar headache. Ben. Tricky. Amateur. But it was delicious. We made the massive error of doing cream then jam on our scone, which of course is the Devonian way, but when in Cornwall, should be jam then cream. It just shouldn't though, because cream then jam is the only appropriate way to layer a scone. The consistencies are wrong for it to be jam then cream. You can't spread cream on top of jam. It doesn't work. Clotted cream is the perfect consistency to spread onto a scone. And then jam's happy to go on top. Also, you want less jam, in my opinion. Of course. You don't need a lot, whereas you need a lot of clotted cream. I could eat that shit out of the tub. Oh, yeah. And I do, actually, if there's any left. This one came with some fresh strawberries Mm. to garnish. Yeah, Mm. delish. But it was a lovely day. I wasn't sure how safe I'd feel, you know? But masks to be worn at all times, apart from in your room and when physically putting food in your mouth. I was going to say. In the restaurant. If Ben managed to eat a full afternoon tea through a mask. (laughs) So if anyone is down that way, I would thoroughly recommend it. What have you been up to? Well, I have rented out for the first time a dress. Have you? Where from? So, no, I haven't rented it myself. I've rented it to someone. I'm the renter. Oh. The renter, not the rentee. Yeah. So I listed just a few bits on her, H-U-R-R, which is a brilliant fashion rental site. And they have amazing stuff on there. 
I didn't get around to listing very much of my stuff and this was right before the pandemic. So understandably, my occasion wear hasn't flown off the old racks. However, somebody has rented my Olivia Rubin pale pink floor length silk dress with black polka dots on it. Fabulous. That I became obsessed with last summer, then spent more money than I could afford on it and wore it once to ask it and then thought, I don't have another occasion for this. Anyway, I'm very excited about it, partly because somebody's paying me some money to rent a dress that I wasn't wearing and that was hanging in my wardrobe, which seems like magic. But also, just because I'm quite enjoying the imagining where it's gone bit. So right now, I do not have an occasion for a floor-length pink silk dress. Who does? Who is this fabulous person that has rented my dress? What fabulous place are they going to? Are they going to a six-person wedding? Are they going on a weekend away and they want to look fabulous? It's like, do you remember the TV show Brum as a child? Did you watch this? Of course. And Brum was a car and he would be locked up in the garage and supposed to just hang out there for the night, day, night. No, he was a bit of a one and he'd escape and then he'd go on an adventure And he'd generally help someone out, probably carry a woman's shopping for her or something, and then arrive back with like a carrot in the back seat. And then his owner would always be like, oh, what's this carrot? What have you been up to, Brom? Anyway. I get the sentiment. I kind of want a memento of where the dress has been. I feel like I want like a handwritten note to come back with it, telling me I wore this dress at my sister's wedding on a cliff top in Devon. This is what I want. Maybe it may be a Polaroid. Obviously, I won't get that because that would be intrusive into somebody's life. You could put the question out and say, just out of interest, where did you wear this? I'm just very excited about it. I think the clothing rental market is a brilliant idea and we should all be doing it, which is why I put things on the website in the first place. But I haven't been very proactive about listing more of my stuff. So I'm going to do that now because also free money. Free money. I've been doing it. I put mine up in lockdown. Again, occasion where A, because I had nowhere to go, B, it doesn't fit at the moment. So I put a load of stuff up. And funnily, as you're experiencing, it's the really frilly, over the top, very eventy pieces that are renting out. So someone's doing something, having a fabulous time. There are lots of great rental sites, but we are both on herhurrcollective.com. So we can recommend that from personal experience. Very good. Very good. What's been on your mind? Well, before we get to talking points, I want to talk about Rishi Sunak's fucking stupid careers quiz. Yes. So basically, all of the people who have trained and worked their entire lives towards a creative output should now work in tech or something. In cyber, specifically. Yeah, that's what we call it now. Modern. Very. So, online, you can take this quiz and answer very stupid statements, I think, that are very broad, like, I'm comfortable working in a team. Agree? Disagree? No, this is not specific enough, first of all, to actually hone in on what you would like and dislike, which is why I got football referee or bingo caller. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that you got that. How did you answer those questions? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying I wouldn't be good at it. Now that I'm thinking about it, I really can project. You'd be a fabulous bingo caller. Bingo caller I would like. 
And I've actually just looked up a few of the bingo calls. They're very fun. I mean, I might also make my own, but I quite enjoy One Little Duck is number two, apparently. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, I can see that. Oh, because it's shaped like a two. Uh, yeah. Sorry, God, that took me a minute, didn't it? I need to drink this coffee. Cup of tea, number three. Garden Gate, number eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 17, Dancing Queen, I like. Hey. I do a little move, like a Travolta finger. Lovely. Anyway, I don't think those are good careers for me. I'm also concerned that you can, if you go through and answer the questions, end up with actor or something in the creative field yeah yeah one of mine was media as well and it's i think that's the problem if it is isn't this what we're trying to get away from anyway what did you get so i got first one paramedic great how are you with blood i think this is the problem i think somewhere along the line i answered strongly agree to wanting to help people No, that's a vanity question. So all of mine are slightly on this theme. So paramedic, but they have failed to ask me, are you horrendously queasy and will faint at the sight of blood? Because the answer to that is yes, so I should not be a paramedic. (laughs) This is what I mean about the questions, because nobody wants to answer, do you want to help people, with a, I feel so, so about it. But I answered just agree, not strongly agree, because I thought... I don't want to help people with a surgeon's knife. Also, that would be a lot of retraining, wouldn't it? Who's got time for that? Be in medical school for years. My second one, which I'm quite into, mainly because of the uniform, Royal Marines officer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that for you. I could see myself doing that. I look good in tailoring, so I could carry off the blazer. Also, I've just noticed Royal Marines officer, I think I'd perhaps elevated myself to... um, some sort of captain scenario because in my head I was wearing a white blazer with gold buttons and like a proper cap you know right like officer and a gentleman is it Richard E. Grant not Richard E. Grant oh Richard Gear. Richard Gear. yeah I'm him <laughs> Richard E. Grant he'd be great in that he would, and everything. <laughs> he would wouldn't he <laughs> I'd like to see Richard E. Grant take on more roles <laughs> if you've already worked up to fashion and beauty editor does that mean maybe you can skip a couple of the old ranks in the military oh maybe because i just feel if you've already done that sort of paying of dues in one area maybe that's applicable in another area and you could just skip ahead to the white cap maybe Mm. i think if you already have the skill of being able to pack 30 looks into just one small suitcase and get it through customs and get it through customs (laughs) And try and convince the customs man that the Mario Schwab metal belt is in fact not a weapon of mass destruction. It is just a Mario Schwab metal belt. (laughs) Then I think you are probably ready to defend the country on the sea. Agree. My final and favourite, coroner. It's a bit bleak, isn't it? But I'm tempted by this one because apparently the starting salary, 85k. Right? Woof. That is great. I know. So watch this space. Do you need a medical degree though? Yeah. Probably. I mean, all of these require some heavy, heavy, heavy retraining. It's not really take this up now and then knit back to your old job post-pandemic. It's not a quick pivot, is it? It's a full lifestyle change. I've still got 27 grand of debt left over from my fashion degree. So I'm not sure I can take on a medical degree. Oh, student loans be having an absolute field day. Oh dear. 
I mean, we do laugh, but it is... A fucking joke. It is a fucking joke. I mean, it's so sad. It's so utterly sad. Actually, there was a brilliant Instagram post that Fran Burns, the stylist, put up. And I'm just going to read you what she said, because it really does sum up the state of play. She posted the picture of the Rethink, Reskill, Reboot ad that has gained an awful lot of criticism. There's a whole series of them. They're government-backed. But it was the one of Fatima the Ballet Dancer, which has got everybody particularly riled up. The tagline is, Fatima's next job could be in cyber. She just doesn't know it yet. Lucky Fatima. And Fran has said, never give up on your dreams. In February, the government announced that the creative industries in the UK contributed to over £111 billion to the economy every year. Yesterday, they told us to rethink and reskill. This campaign is an insult to everyone in the creative industries. What would this world be without art? This is not the easy road through life. It's not the big paycheck. It's not a hobby. It's a life carved through passion, through sharing your human experience with others. It's a life of dedication and commitment, of self-discipline and really, really hard work. Creativity connects and inspires us. If we all retrain in cyber, we're looking at a pretty bleak dystopian future. Amen to that. Amen to that. I think we should add those ads weren't actually created now for this instance. They were created last year, I think, for a drive to get people into cyber. They were, but they have been resurfaced on Facebook and other outlets. So it's definitely been a conscious decision to re-push them out. I read a piece by Tim Burgess, who's the lead singer of The Charlatans, on The Guardian. The title is, The Arts Aren't a Luxurious Hobby, Rishi Sunak. They're a lifeline for millions. And you should read it. It's a brilliant piece. But what he's talking about is, first of all, this assumption that people who are working in the creative fields have not tried other jobs and they've just fallen into that. That doesn't happen in the creative fields, really. You don't at 18, decide you want to do something and then you work your way up. So many people work in the arts and certainly people that are on my social media who are actors or stamp comics have other jobs, have other ways to make money, have jobs that they do between gigging to support themselves. But this is something they have fought to do often for decades and have supported themselves in those unfulfilling ways so that they can do this thing that they love. And I think what's so important to remember is the fruits of that labour are what we enjoy every day. And if you imagine the first lockdown, if we didn't have any TV, box sets, films to watch, if we didn't have any music to listen to, I mean, why do you think Grayson Perry's art club was so successful? People need escape through creativity And if we didn't have the fruits of all of those people's creative labours, then lockdown would have been unbearable. If we didn't have comedy to make us laugh, life would be unbearable. So I think it's fucking stupid and naive. We are so lucky in the UK to live in an arts-rich culture. I mean, we gave the world Shakespeare. And whether he did or did not write his own... (laughs) poems, sonnets and plays. Somebody close to him did. Someone in Stratford-upon-Avon did. The UK has produced The Beatles, Grayson Perry, Tracy Emin. We have all these amazing art galleries. We have the West End dedicated to theatre. We are so lucky in the UK to have such a rich 
arts and culture offering. We're one of the four fashion capitals of the world, despite being a teeny weeny little island. We're so incredibly lucky and we do need to protect it hugely. And these industries need funding and they need protecting throughout this because it is really difficult. And yes, we could all work in cyber from our laptops and be really depressed about the whole thing. But on a Friday night, I don't want to go and watch someone work in cyber on a stage. No. Personally, I don't really know what that would look like, but I don't think it would be much of a show. Me either. Well, Rishi. Franks, what do you want to talk about this week? So I read a piece that made me L-O-L, lol. (laughs) So it's called In Defence of Pumpkin Patches, Spice Lattes and Being an All-Round Autumn Basic Bitch by Rhiannon Evans for Grazia. And I just adored this. So Rhiannon talks about how autumn has become very Americanized, really because of Halloween. That didn't really used to be a thing in the UK, but obviously now trick-or-treating is massive and things like pumpkin patches are incredibly popular. And she talks about how this autumnal culture has started to be ridiculed and called basic. She uses the example of lovely Stacey Solomon, who last year for her 30th, by her own admission, had a bit of a breakdown and bought a full pumpkin door display, which is phenomenal. I urge you to go onto her Instagram and have a look. What What is a pumpkin door display? Well, just loads of pumpkins. <laughs> outside so real pumpkins that she's i don't know if they're real i feel like it is very much a tableau i feel like they might be plastic because by the looks of it she's dragged it back out for this year unfortunate so maybe they're not the most environmentally friendly but not single use either she's going to get it out every year and she's already got it out and we're several weeks away from halloween so she is getting the most use out of it possible i'm going to defend the pumpkin door display because it looks hilarious and amazing and she loves it and her son loves it but along with things like pumpkin spice lattes and other autumnal things falling leaves woolly tights all of that sort of been grouped into being a bit of a basic bitch i see and rhiannon is quite rightly saying no no these are one of the very many joys of what is the best time of the year Good. Would my mulled wine and Mariah sweatshirt fall into this category? Do we think? I mean, that's Christmas basic. So I would say Christmas has been basic for a while. I'm ahead of the curve, though, maybe like seasonally. And autumn. <laughs> autumn is the new basic. But she was saying, obviously, basic bitch was coined by Kate Moss back on the aeroplane. Funny back then. I don't know if I found it that funny back then. I don't think I did. But I have used basic in a humorous way. And I don't think I find it offensive. You always call yourself basic. I do call myself basic. I don't think you've ever leveraged it against someone else. No. You often say to me, I know it's a bit basic, but I love this. Or I bought this. I know it's a bit basic. Fairy lights. Fairy lights always bring to mind. Yeah. Roped all around my balcony because fuck yeah, they look great. But I did hesitate. Well, this is the thing. And Rihanna says this. Things are basic because they're nice. And you've said this to me lots of times. They're only basic because people like it. It's nice stuff. And it's just that it becomes 
mainstream because it's so nice. It reminded me of, and I'm going to bring this up, it's getting increasingly divisive, this programme, Emily in Paris. Right, yeah. When she was called Ringard. Mm -hmm. Flawless pronunciation by me. You made it a bit Spanish, I thought. I did. (laughs) I'm so sorry. How would you do it in French? Hang on. Hello, hello. Ringard. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just get into the French frame of mind. Anyway, she was called Ringard, which means basic, P.S. in French, by a haute couture designer. And she gave him a speech akin to, I think, Miranda Priestley's Cerulean Blue speech, where she details that good taste only exists because of basic. Good taste needs basic to aspire to it, to put it on the pedestal of good taste. So without basic, you don't have good taste. One needs the other. Miranda Priestley wasn't saying that. Miranda Priestley was saying you can't opt out of fashion because by the act of choosing that jumper, you have actually, as much as you think you're above the decision-making that's happening in this room, you have bought a jumper that has been chosen for you by us. That's what Miranda Priestley was saying. Yeah, I know the message of Miranda Priestley's. What I'm saying is the gravitas of Emily in Paris's basic speech. Right. Draws parallels with Miranda Priestley's Cerulean Blue speech. I will give you that. There are synergies mm-hmm. in the delivery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you. So I felt empowered by this piece to be my full basic bitch autumnal self. Unfortunately, I don't like pumpkin spice lattes. I was going to say, are those actually good? This is the problem. Or Starbucks. But what I will have is a hot chocolate with whippy cream and tiny marshmallows. Oh, yeah. Boom. I can get on board with that. And I will crunch Mm. through some brown, orange and gold autumnal leaves in some boots with some thick tights. I was thinking you were going to eat them because we were on the eating thread. (laughs) (laughs) I won't eat them. So I was like, I crunched through and then I was like, well, she's gone rogue. And I will extol the virtues of a red wine in front of a fire with Strictly Come Dancing on the telly, which P.S. I'm thrilled is back for this season. And I'm not going to apologise for that. No. Not long, babe, until you can have a mulled wine. Oh, with a slug of amaretto in. Have you ever tried that? No. Oh, jeez. Have you finished Emily in Paris now? No. I know we talked about it last week, but... Yeah, I have gotten bored of the online commentary around it, and so I've stopped watching it. I don't like that people are attacking the character too much. I see the flaws and we could go on and on about this. I think I had the ability at the time to detach myself and just enjoy it in a base level way. Mm -hmm. But now because I've read so much about it, everyone's putting their two pence in and I just can't anymore because yes, it's cliched. Yes, she seems to attract devilishly handsome Frenchmen at the drop of a hat. None of it makes sense. This plot is highly implausible. But then it's also not the first TV show to have a devastatingly implausible plot. It is not, and it will not be the last. No. So I've, I've stopped watching it. I don't want to watch it anymore. I'm done. Fair. I'm done. But I will say, I just think her eyebrows are fantastic. Okay, let's end on that high. What do you want to talk about this week? Well, I read a piece on The Cut, I love The Cut, by Molly Fisher. 
and it is called I have come to the humiliating conclusion that I am an extrovert. Ooh. Molly talks about how it's more appealing to think of ourselves as introverts because introverts are seen to be self-sufficient, they're often bookish, uh, discerning, so they might just have one close friend. But extrovert, and this is a quote, suggests Mr. Peanut Butter on Bojack Horseman, an anthropomorphic yellow Labrador retriever with the indiscriminate enthusiasm of a dog and the glib charisma of a low-level celeb, which I think is a wonderful quote. (laughs) Very good. Because we don't want to think of ourselves as extroverts particularly do we i don't think introvert it perhaps used to have negative connotations and maybe it used to mean a bit more socially awkward i don't think it means that for our generation anyway i think on tv and in the books that we read introverts tend to be mysterious and enigmatic and extroverts are a bit basic actually it's that still waters run deep exactly so crashing waters well you're just a loud mouth blabberhead exactly and i think at the beginning of the pandemic there was all this discussion about introvert extrovert because introverts who were used to spending a lot more time at home were perhaps better equipped to be able to deal with lockdown so that got people thinking about which they were but Molly talks about realising that she was feeling energised by meetings and actually quite looking forward to Zoom calls as well because she doesn't want to spend all of her time alone. She doesn't want to reject all social occasions and actually she realised she's missing all of that. And I can relate because I was cripplingly shy in my teens. I was also snarky, the snarky kind of loud that comes from insecurity, I would say. Just, just to put myself in a little nutshell there. But I was cripplingly shy. And I still, to this day, love being alone. I often back out of plans. I don't like to make too many plans of a weekend. I love being alone. So I thought I was an introvert too. No. I love being back in an office. And now that I'm there, I am mortified to report that I keep sharing really boring stories about my boiler. (laughs) My colleagues are hearing all sorts because I'm just so excited that there's someone in the room that when I get a stupid email from a PR, I'm like, guys, guys, (laughs) listen to this. It's mortifying. I am the yellow Labrador retriever. Even worse, the office is socially distanced. So to share my boring anecdotes, I'm projecting them across like five empty desks shouting across a room about the most boring things so i might be coming to the same humiliating conclusion as molly where do you stand on this that's brilliant but i wonder whether lockdown and this whole pandemic way of living is maybe bringing out the extrovertism within introverts maybe because we have been starved of these opportunities to perform And perhaps where we took them for granted or because they were so plentiful in normal life, you didn't need them. When something gets taken away, because these very much have, it's made you reappreciate them and perhaps desire them in a way that you never did. I would say I am more on the extrovert scale. I've never considered myself an introvert. I find it very hard to keep things to myself. 
I do like to tell people most things straight away. Which isn't to say I can walk into a room of people I don't know and start talking. A networking event would be my worst nightmare, like a lot of people. Unless I'd had a lot to drink and then just try and stop me. (laughs) But, you know, if I was at a wedding and the wedding band didn't turn up, but someone had a microphone and a karaoke machine, I'd happily get up there and give it a go. I'd be the entertainment. You would be. I'd love it. Save the money or give the money to me. There is something embarrassing about being an extrovert because you sort of have your blurt of extrovertism. And then I do suddenly think, oh no, was that a bit much? Do people think I like the sound of my own voice? Because I don't. And actually, I think sometimes extroversion comes from a place of not shyness, but not wanting there to be an awkward silence. So a slight awkwardness because you want to avoid the awkwardness and you want to fill it with something. So then you just find yourself blathering on to somebody, telling them all sorts of stuff and being loud and noisy. Maybe also to help someone out who you can see is quite shy and struggling. Then you become the big personality to try and ease the situation. But in doing so, probably become a bit of a pain in the ass. But we're also not just one thing. So I love the sound of my own voice, obviously. That's why we have a podcast. Although when I did first start podcasting and I would listen back to the edits, I'd be like, who could listen to this? Because I also hate the sound of my own voice. So I'm both things. I will hear myself talking and think, you crashing bore, shut up. Nobody's interested. Stop telling the story about your boiler. But then 30 seconds later, I'll be like, ooh, 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 guys, 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 fun story. So I'm both of those things. And I find lots of social occasions too people but my house by myself is not people enough, basically. You're a multidimensional woman. Right. Should we crack on to recommendations? Yes, please. What have you got for me? So my first one is a brand new podcast. So brand new that at the time of recording, there's only one episode. Shit, man. It's called On Reflection and it's by Fumi Feto. Fumi is a brilliant beauty journalist. She's a contributing editor for British Vogue and she has her own column in The Guardian. She has launched a podcast which is all about beauty, but it's very much of a global view on beauty. So it's not just your mascaras and lipsticks, not there's anything wrong with that, but it takes in the sort of whole cultural conversation around beauty. And the first episode features Nellie Eden, who's the beauty director of Dazed. And they discuss all manner of things, including Lizzo's US Vogue cover. Great cover. Lizzo is the first black plus size person to be featured on US Vogue. And they are talking about how every time, because we always have this, don't we? We have the first black photographer to shoot a cover story for US Vogue. When Tyler Mitchell photographed Beyonce for the cover, you know, we keep having all of these things and they were saying every single time we have a it's the first time, it's always so surprising because you just think, God, how? How can it be the first time that this has ever happened in 2020? But anyway, they discuss fat phobia, how the word fat is being reclaimed and it not being something that we are dodging around, calling it plus size or curvy or whatever it is, all these other words that we use for it. They talk about the body positivity movement and how that was co-opted by 
essentially slim white people. It's a very interesting conversation. They also talk about lipstick, the joy of, and how hard that is in an era of face masks. Top tip from Fumi, silk face masks. Okay. A pads don't rub so much. I mean, perhaps a pricey investment, but if you are a lipstick lover, worth giving it a go. And this episode also features Sharon Shooter, who is the founder of UOMA Beauty. And she has founded a grassroots social movement called Pull Up For Change. It calls on corporations within the beauty industry to be accountable and transparent in their fight to disband systemic racism. It's incredibly interesting. There's some good meaty topics that they get into, but then there's also some good product recommendations. And if you are a beauty lover, you're going to absolutely enjoy that. And for me, it's such an authority on beauty. So anything that she recommends gets a big thumbs up from me. Fabulous. I've also just got one thing. It's not a recommendation, but it's a looking forward to because I've just watched the trailer. Ooh, what are you looking forward to? The new witches. No, I am not looking forward to that. What? Absolutely not. Sorry. Anne Hathaway is great. She looks amazing. But Angelica Houston does not need remaking. Okay. Nothing. I take could your possibly. point. She's not terrifying. Angelica Houston. I nearly shat myself. She was so scary. <laughs> she was she... so fucking scary. No. 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 Oh, I'm going to disagree. I'll let you speak now. Sorry. I adored the witches. The original was in 1990. God, it feels... It was in the 1990s with, yes, the Grand High Witch being Angelica Houston, which was absolutely terrifying. But I've just watched a trailer for the new one. Anne Hathaway plays Grand High Witch. Brilliant. Octavia Spencer's in it. Stanley Tucci. Come on, if that doesn't win you over, I don't know what doesn't even tucci is not enough i'm sorry what okay fine streaming from the 26th of october in the uk i'm gonna watch it i'm really looking forward to it i just don't understand why we need to remake things couldn't they have made although it's such a great story but the original it's shot in color it's not (laughs) not, you know charlie chaplin with a bowler hat it's not that old and it is phenomenal. And I just think that people are missing out if they don't watch OG The Witches because Angelica Houston is the most terrifying Grand High Witch that you will ever see. And it is funny and it is brilliant. And I still use grandma as an exclamation <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so I just don't know whether you needed to remake it because it was flawless and couldn't be topped. Tucci is a welcome addition, and yes, maybe the original would have benefited from Tucci. But no. Fine. It's a no from me. Okay, well, you know, piss on my parade. I'm looking forward to it. I will, as I do most weeks. Great. That's that's my job here, you know? What's your recommendation of the week? What can I pull apart? <laughs> Mine's a skin one, actually. So, beauty on the brain. Oh, God. <laughs> I have recommended this in writing, but I just wanted to talk about it because I know a lot of people are struggling with their skin at the moment. I have had problems with acne since I was 13, so I feel, yeah. I'm currently, ironically, on medication for my skin, so it is the best it has ever been. This time last year, I would have absolutely killed to be able to wear a mask in public to hide the cystic acne that was all along my jawline that made me feel so bad about myself and so mortified to go out in public. 
Would have loved a mask then. Get to cover my absolutely perfect skin that I'm paying through the nose at a private dermatologist for with a mask now. But I mean, people are suffering much worse, so I shouldn't moan about it. Anyway, if you are suffering from mask knee, which I know lots of people are, I would recommend on the cut there is a series, Why Is Your Skin So Good? And you can either read articles under this subhead channel on the cut, or you can watch videos on the cut's Instagram. Basically, all sorts of people, actors, influencers, editors, share their skin routines. And a lot of them are sharing the products that they use and have tried to deal with problems like cystic acne and to deal with acne scarring. If it is something that you suffer with, certainly I have spent so many hours of my life thinking about my skin and it can be really debilitating and really affect your mental health. So watching these videos and hearing from people who've actually suffered from problem skin, talking about what has worked from them, I think is really useful because obviously investing in new skincare products can be really tricky because if you believe what you read in a magazine and you cough up a certain amount of money and then something doesn't work for you, that isn't sustainable and then you're stuck with this expensive product that doesn't work. I think this is so useful because acne is a problem that not everyone does deal with and not every beauty editor, for example, has dealt with. So when you're reading a magazine, it isn't necessarily thinking about skin problems like cystic acne. So I would watch this or read this, whatever floats your boat. Brilliant. Thank you. My skin's gone so dry because of my mask. Has it? Almost eczema dry around my mouth. Yeah, if anyone's got any top tips for that, because my normal, very hydrating moisture from a vein is not working. I need something more hydrating. You need to seal it in with an oil. So a lot of people think oil or moisturiser, or they think oil then moisturiser. You want to do moisturiser and then oil on top. Skincare layering. And rose is particularly moisturising. So I love Pies, P-A-I. They have a great facial oil with rose in it. They do. It's orange. It's fantastic. They've got lovely facials. And actually, this makes sense because my problem started when I finished my Balance Me Moroccan Rose Oil. There you go. Mm. So I just need to top myself up on that because it is flaky jakey. Well, my medication makes my skin super dry. Ah. So that is something I know all about. But if anyone else has got any mask knee or dry skin, any skin advice, let us know. Because I do think it's always really interesting to hear from the horse's mouth what works for them and what doesn't. Are you calling our readers horses? Sounds guys. They might not be into that. Okay. That's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends, your family, your neighbours, your pets. I'm not sure that them telling their pets would be that useful. Might be nice though. Yeah, I suppose. It's an audience. Exactly. You can also find us in written form at thewingwoman.co.uk where you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter. And you can follow us on social media at Charlie Gowans, at Frankie Graddon and collectively at thewingwoman underscore. You can also email us at thewingwomanofficial at gmail.com if Frankie hasn't offended you by calling you a horse. <laughs> no. Until next week. Bye. Bye.